Coog's house. All right, so I was doing some research on Navy football. I decided that there's so much Navy football that I don't know. I need to bring in some experts on Navy football. So let's talk with some experts on Navy football. Welcome to Locked on Cougs, the daily podcast all about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach Parker Ainsley, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater who came to stop by, please hit subscribe and now the podcast each day for the latest on Cougs all year long. If you're subscribed to our show, it should pop up in your feed each day, so you can make sure to make Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. Today, however, I am joined to talk a little bit about the game this weekend between the Houston Cougars and the Naval Academy, the Navy Midshipmen. And I brought on some guests to tell us a bit more about the show, about the Naval Academy from the second or sing second sports show to tell us more about what's going on with Navy football. So I'm joined by Chris and John of sing second sports. Uh, I'll start with, with John just because he's up on top of my views here. John, how are we doing? game week and we're always excited about a game week uh, i'll tell you what makes my partner chris cervello the most excited is that he collects jordans about at the level that you do so i uh, so it does the uh it does the listeners no good but very impressive jordan uh collection i was expecting like rudy tom Jonovich to to walk behind <laughs> you uh but we're, we're very happy to uh on and talk about uh, Naval Academy football. It's obviously a, uh, a game week, uh, a week that, you know, we, we didn't expect to find ourselves at two and four. Uh, we probably expected to see ourselves at four and two. Um, but a, a really important week is, is every week in the American Athletic Conferences, as I'm sure you can attest. So, so yeah, we, we, uh, we cover the uh, football you know, team and, and every sport uh, at the Naval Academy every week. But yeah, this, this week obviously focused on the Houston game and, and what the possible outcome will be. And we also joined by Chris. Chris is a member of the show and an alumni that played ball for a minute there too, right, Chris? So introduce yourself to the listener and tell us a little bit about your experience thus far. So uh, I'm a 99 uh, graduate of the Naval Academy. As John mentioned, uh, this is our third season uh, with the podcast. And, uh, you know, we uh, served in the Navy each for 20 plus years. Um, as a uh, side hustle to our PR gig, we decided to uh, start the podcast uh, and, and, you know, couldn't have asked for uh, a, a better side hustle uh, than to cover uh, the great men and women uh, of the United States Naval Academy. And thank you for doing it. Thank you for doing it. It's a program that I think, you know, we all at least watch Army Navy every year, right? Like we all should have some familiarity with this as that's the biggest game of the year every year for everyone in America. And it it really is a truly historic program to follow. Uh, you mentioned, I think John mentioned that we're the Naval Academy is two and four this year. And you are hoping to, you know, maybe more, more, more like four and two. So can we walk through like where are those games kind of flipping from one side to the other? What's happened so far this fall? Well, Parker, I'll I'll equate it to you know the age old issue in football, which is starting. Um, you know, I'm a lifelong Denver Broncos fan. I've watched uh, Denver have a very similar start to the season that the Naval Academy has, and and that, that's a bit of a loose association. So let me try to connect it. You know, they they've just had a really big issue getting momentum and starting off games right. When they get down early, they usually stay down. Uh, they started off the season against a very beatable, um, you know, colonial, colonial athletic association team 
one double a Delaware um, really expected season well there and lost 14 to seven and then turned right around against a really tough Memphis team and lost at home 37, 13. So right when you thought all was lost, they go on the road and take on Holt Nailers and a very good East Carolina team and beat them on the road in two OTs. So it's a bit of a schizophrenic situation. And as the quarterback goes, as you can well attest at Houston, that's had a very good pedigree of quarterbacks. As the quarterback goes at the Naval Academy, the the you know, the fortunes of the team go. And this year, Ty Lavatai, who's a junior, a returning starter, kind of the hero of the Army-Navy game last year. Uh, we were expecting Ty to take that next step and lead them you know, to a successful season. And a successful season is still in the making, um, you know, but say that it's not too early to say that the Houston game is really the determinant as to whether this season turns into a good season and a season that may result in them being an, um, or a season where it's a loss and, you know, a losing record and possibly losing to arm. So that, that's kind of where we're at, which schizophrenic team, um, you know, will Houston see uh, it, it's hard to say, but I can tell you this. If there's a team that's been past home game, a 53-21 win against Tulsa, it's it's Navy. So, you know, certainly this is a team that might be right for the picking. Well, and Chris, I want your take on this, too, because as a person that has not paid as close attention to, to Navy as you all have, I see a close win against Delaware, but also a close win against East Carolina. And I, you know, I don't know how to take those two things. I see the big, big win over Tulsa. I see the close loss last week in, to SMU. So. Chris, as you feel like the last hand, uh, the half the season, I guess at this point has gone. What have you? What have been your takeaways? What's been the impression you've had of Navy thus far? So they've played um, a half a game at best, even in their wins. Um, they have yet to really play a full uh, Navy football game, uh, as we would call it. Um, you, you know, it's no. Uh, I guess it's no secret to sports fans that, uh, you know, if you go to a service academy, you tend to be a bit undersized. But the plus side is, is that you're disciplined, um, there's speed, um, and that you run the triple option uh, really to perfection. Navy really hasn't had any of those three um, sort of perennial characteristics this year. They've had sparks of it. Um, including uh, last week um, uh, in in their loss, uh, really in all of their losses, it's been they've shown up for a quarter, um, and then the other three quarters, um, you know, has not been Navy ball. They've had penalties. They've been slow getting to the outside. We've got a quarterback that um, is not the quick hit the hole uh, option quarterback that you would expect. So we've dabbled with throwing the ball a little bit. So. This is a team that, um, you know, as, as John said, that is still trying to figure out who it is. If we don't beat Houston this week, I, I think it's, uh, you, you know, we're, we're sounding the collision alarm uh, to use a, a Navy analogy. I mean, I, I think it's, we're, we're in, uh, you, you know, bad, bad shape uh, without a win on Saturday. Well, and so talk me through <laughs> one thing that's in my notes as I'm going through here is there was little horse crap on the field last yeah. weekend. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're both chuckling. That, I mean, that had just kind of be like, no pun intended, like icing on the cake that's been the year so far, right? Like, like yeah. what, what was going on last week against SMU? 
Well, I mean, at that point in the game, I would say that the, the horse, you know, what do they say in Texas? Like it, that's luck, right? If you step in horseshit. <laughs> so at that point in the game, we were, you know, trying to step in as much horseshit as we could. Um, we were up at that point, I think 14, 13 headed into uh, the half. And um, then we came out and it just was, uh, was not our third quarter. And then, you know, we had a couple backdoor scores to make it look closer than it than it was, but that's a game. I mean, again, the SMU game is a perfect game that we, you know, that sort of exemplifies our season. Um, we should have won. I mean, we came out, we gave up big plays. We, we put ourselves in a hole, then we turned it around and we were in command of the, uh, of the game. We had turnovers and penalties and we lost focus. And then a, I would say a better team in terms of size and speed in SMU then put up points and we were, we were struggling to catch up. If we do the same thing against uh, Houston on Saturday, it's going to be a long day. Um, and, you know, as we watched two Fridays ago, this is a Houston team that plays from beginning to end, right? I mean, they, they don't give up. Um, so we've got to play all four quarters if we have a chance of, uh, of winning. Well, and I, I think the, you know, Dana would probably appreciate you playing that. The Houston fans have had plenty of complaints themselves. And I feel like it's one of those things where, and we'll get into more personnel specific things in a moment, but John, correct me if I'm wrong, against this triple option thing, if Houston falls behind early, the wheels just kind of start spinning and, and it feels like from an outsider, has that not been the way it's gone this fall or has that just not been, is that not been taken advantage of? I, I actually think it hasn't been taken advantage of as much as it could. And Navy, when they are in a position to really make an impact, will often fall to that 34 power, that 33 power, which is, you know, hey, just right up the middle and we're fine if it's second and eight to get one more yard and make it third and seven, tend to go a little bit, you know, riverboat and, and gamble on fourth down, which tends to put us a little bit behind the curve. You know, for Navy, I said that it all kind of comes out of Ty Lavatai's hands and arm and legs, really. How well can he run the option? Uh, but then from there, how, how much using Terrell at the slot or Mikel Haywood's speed tie through it 21 times last week. Now I know that they were down, but throwing seems to be much more part of the process now. So I would disagree with you that I I don't think it's that old triple option early. You're dead. Uh, This team, like Chris said, is still searching for itself and how to use those aforementioned athletes. I think the reason you're two and four is that you just haven't used those athletes as well as you should have so far. Fair enough. And Chris, you mentioned before we get into personnel stuff that you feel like there's like almost a do or die vibe around this Houston game. Yeah. I will admit, as I look at the schedule here after Houston, Temple, I think, is a beatable team. Cincinnati is good, like very good. Not quite last year good, but very right. good. And then Notre Dame's big time, UCF's big time, and the Army game in the year rival game, anything could happen. Right. What happens if this Houston game? I mean, again, I'm a Houston fan. I'd be appreciate going right. south for y'all. But what what would happen if this like if this game goes south? Does it just snowball? What's going on? Well, I mean, you mentioned Temple. I mean, I I would say that you know if uh, if the unthinkable happens and we we do lose to Houston. 
Um, there, there is a bit of that rebound against Temple, but just like you said, I mean, we're on the road against Cincinnati. Um, we're on the road against, I mean, well, it's, it's in Baltimore against Notre Dame, but I mean, anywhere you play Notre Dame, it feels like you're on the road <laughs> yeah. uh, because their fans travel. And so, um, you, you know, you're, you're away from Navy Marine Corps Memorial stadium, and then you're down here in Florida against UCF. And, you know, next thing you know, then you're trying to prepare for army, which is a very different game in many respects. So th this for us is we we've got to be, I, I would say we've got to win three, uh, three of the remaining games, um, and, and then army to have a, a season that, you know, to still salvage a season. So that, that three has to start with, uh, with Houston. All right. So I gotta admit you calling a loss to Houston unthinkable has me sweating and sweating has me thinking about sweat block. Now sweat block is a great product that helps you protect yourself from all kinds of nasty sweat stains It's created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating doctor created and doctor recommended. Make sure you use sweat block to protect yourself from gnarly sweat stains and sweaty armpits and things like that in your clothes. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. Make sure you go to sweatblock.com though and use code locked on to get 20% off. But right. let's dive into the personnel a little bit because you both mentioned the personnel and Navy being a little bit different your typical college football, certainly your typical division one football program, right? Um, part of that is because the Naval Academy requires you to be able to go to the Naval Academy. <laughs> like, there, I, as I said earlier in the week, when talking about the layout of the week, you know, there's a lot of guys at the Naval Academy where football practice, I'd assume is kind of the easiest part of the day, right? Like their, their days are that grueling, that hard, that intense, both academically and then physically I have to be in shape physically in a different kind of way. On their defense, our quarterback spoke earlier this week at a, a Clayton Toon spoke at a media session and said that he thought that they were very, very like you can tell that they were Navy level intelligent on defense, the way that they were disguising coverages and those kinds of things. Who sticks out on the defense as like big time playmakers? Who are we going to hear their names a lot? And what do they do special on defense? Well, I'll, I'll tell you right now that it starts with Brian Newberry who's the defensive coordinator. He has brought in a different level of attention to detail, a different level of speed, and really, to his credit, a different level of scheme. Uh, he just game plans opposing offenses very, very well. And like not armed the headline making uh, defensive players. Like I remember distinctly about six years ago, uh, walking down on the field at Houston during a Thanksgiving weekend game, a very important game for us down in Houston that would have meant uh, the difference between going to the AAC championship game or not. And walking past Ed Oliver on the field and, and just, it's just a completely different human being. But what, what Navy does have is guys like, you know, Busick on the edge, uh, Nick Straw. You're going to see number 51 at the Raider position, uh, who is the senior linebacker. Uh, he's really kind of the go everywhere, get the tackles, blow up stuff in the backfield. John Marshall is one of the uh, co But really for me, and I'll let Chris, you know, add in here too, for for me, it's against high powered offenses like a Dana to to Houston type of electric offense with Clayton Tune kind of hitting up wide receiver in the, in the NFL one day. It's going to come down to the corners, Rayon Lane and Elias Larry. 
uh, they, they are they are really going to be the key to whether uh, we stick in this. If they give up a big 70 yard touchdown pass early, it might be over early. Uh, so th- those are the big names on the defensive. We say it on our podcast every week, Chris Cervello. It's it's bend but don't break. This this week, I think they need to break the opposition instead of bend. You know, before before it's broken. Yeah, I mean, I I would double down on that, Parker. I mean, you know, the way we have tried to play, uh, r- really since. Um, you know, Newberry came in was, um, you, you know, I think we're a very, very good run defense. And then we've tried to be just good enough in the past. And so even if that, you know, we do give up that, you know, 40, 50 yard, we can then hold our opponent to a field goal. I think they would like to do a little bit better at this uh, or a little bit better this week against Houston. I mean, we started the game off last week um, against SMU with a big, uh, you know, a big play for uh, the SMU offense. So I, I think you may see a little, uh, a little less of that all out blitz um, that, you know, they've tried to do as a way of stopping the run um, and putting pressure on the pass and maybe drop a few of these folks back into coverage. Um, but, but we'll see, I mean, you, you know, the, the downside for us is, is if we do that, then we, you know, then it's death by a thousand cuts, right? We're giving up the five and six yard, um, at a time uh, pass. And, and so then we've got to do something, but as John said, I mean, the, really the goal is, is to put enough pressure that, you know, we, we hope that the other team's offense makes mistakes. And then when our offense is on the field, you know, you know, our, we have a, you know, what do they say? It's not a two minute drive. It's not a four minute drive. It would be like a 14 minute drive for, for us. I mean, that that's what we're really trying to do is, you know, make just a few mistakes on, on defense to, to stay in it and then run the clock when it's our turn uh, on the other side of the ball. Yeah. So talk me through, I'm intrigued here. Cause I look at, uh, I think John mentioned a guy named John Marshall, who's listed mm-hmm. as a striker. Right. Uh, Nicholas Straw is listed as a Raider. And in watching some film this week, and it's mostly what I found on YouTube, I'm sure you all have seen a lot more, obviously. Um, they look like this quasi, they're kind of positionless. They, they line up in a lot of different places. Yeah. What is the theory behind that? What are they doing? Obviously, Chris, you played ball, so you know a lot of the X's no side of it. But I heard John harping on like power run like games down to the specific hole count. So I think we can, we can all speak a little ball. Uh-huh. Um, what are they doing with their striker? What are those positions? Well, I mean, they're, they're somewhere between a, you know, what you would see with a, um, you know, a free or strong safety or with a really good, um, you know, middle linebacker. I mean, somewhere in between, right. I mean, and, and they, they move them all over the place. So there you'll see them, um, you know, play a traditional, uh, you know, middle and sort of captain uh, the defense. Other times you'll see them uh, line up uh, as a, as another end. Um, you'll, you'll also see them on the end standing up and coming in and blitzing i mean they the the whole as john mentioned i mean the whole point behind this newberry defense is is to kind of create mistakes uh for the other team's offense and by moving these guys around they not only sort of are the centerpiece for making tackles but they also when you need pressure these are the guys that are going to make the pressure so instead of like your uh um, your corners coming up and blitzing. I mean, you're going to move these the Raider and the striker around, and they're they're the ones that are going to uh, come at you uh, without you realizing it. Interesting to see. And it was like, oh, well, striker number one. Okay, on film, I kind of see what he's doing, yeah. but he doesn't have the same thing snap to snap. And so I just I was trying to see what does that look like over the course of the season. 
John, in talking personnel here, I noticed there's, by my count on the starting defense, and I could be wrong, this could be an old chart, it looks like there are four sophomores, which feels like a fairly veteran team. Um, as you look at the Navy defense, do you feel like you're kind of veteran-led, or is that just me reading the depth chart wrong? Well, what I'll say, Parker, is that COVID affected each team, not only in the American Athletic Conference, but across. And with that, I'll say this. Um, I think that the is has a dearth of senior leadership um marshall is very good straw is very uh but after that you're really missing a lot of those seniors that you need um so i i think the sophomores being involved portends something very good for the future and i think will mean that future army will be you know controlled by a very veteran defense but for now I think this defense is young and that was exposed last week when they played arguably their worst game of the year uh, against what we thought was a gettable SMU team. And that, and, you know, I think that, that the defense and the defensive coaches would echo that thing. I think you can count on at noon Eastern uh, here in Annapolis on Saturday is that the defense will respond. And if they don't, then it's going to be a very long day. Yeah, I want to call out one, one more name to uh, Parker, and, and that's Johnny Woodson Brooks. Um, you mentioned so, uh, sophomores. Um, I mean, he he was probably the third guy on the um, on on the mic. Um, you, you know, uh, depth chart coming into the season, he's really stepped up. You'll hear his name called a lot, uh, making tackles. I mean, he swarms. Um, and, uh, you know, he is, uh, along with, uh, with Marshall and, and Will Harbor, um, he, he's a guy that, that sort of, you know, saves, uh, runs from getting to the second, uh, and third level. Well, and, and frankly, when you talk about guys being a little undersized, whatever, I just clicked on his name. He's listed at six foot two thirty five. That's not horribly undersized for an American conference, Mike, Mike linebacker, especially not a sophomore one. Like that guy could grow continue to grow into a very like well-built Mike linebacker in this league hearing Toon talk about it the other day the defense being the kind of defense that can cover stuff up has bluntly given us some trouble and frankly that might be why we're not quite like the betting favorite I think we're a two and a half point favorite at betonline.net which is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new college basketball Actually, I guess the pros just started, so also a great place to go bet your pro basketball. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, new podcasts, and in-depth analysis for every game. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering. The fastest and easiest way to check in all of your favorite games and events, including the MLB, the players going on right now, MMA, boxing, golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Again, they have the Houston Cougars at a two and a half point favorite on the weekend. I have to say that I do think I'm going over that. I think that my buddies here, they're nodding. They're probably not going to quite go over that. I'm taking them as two and a half point favorite. Go to betonline.net where the game starts. All right. So as we look at the offensive side of the ball, I think schematically, the Navy offense is far more famous than the Navy defense. But I had to do some research to look these guys up. Um, because while it is a triple option offense and that's like kind of what the Academy is known for, it's not the kind of thing that like highlights a bunch of names and unless they're having like a several thousand yard rushing season, I don't know if the country at large would hear about them. So if I start with John last time, Chris, I'll start with you. Who are some names that stick out on the offense 
that you're like, okay, you're going to hear this person's name a lot. Yeah. So let's, um, John mentioned it, uh, but let's start with the plate caller and that's Ty Lavatai, um, a six, two junior, um, big guy for as Navy quarterbacks go, um, slow guy though, right, right now. I mean, he is not the break it, you know, up the middle or break it, uh, um, on the on the outside that maybe folks were used to seeing, um, you know, in the mid 2000s from uh, from Navy quarterbacks. We uh, have another podcast on our network and one of our analysts is Keenan Reynolds, who set every Navy record ever. Um, Ty is a very different runner than Keenan. Ty is going to, you know, drop a shoulder, lean in and get three and four yards uh, at, at a time. Um, you look for him to pitch the ball. Uh, well, actually look for him to hand off the ball to his fullback, Daba Fafana, um, who came in probably as the third uh, fullback and has really stepped up in the last three weeks. Uh, Daba, who this week we found out is a master cellist of, of, of all things, <laughs> like who, who knew? So, um, but uh, look for Daba to, uh, you know, he's sort of revitalized the first couple of weeks at fullback. Um, were, you know, was not good at all. And since Daba uh, went to the top of the, the depth chart, um, the last two weeks have looked like, uh, you know, what, what we're, uh, you know, uh, used to. Um, and then in the slots, you've got Mikhail Haywood and Vincent Terrell. Look for either a call pitch uh, or, or a, um, a call uh you know, more of a, what you're used to from like what would look like an option pitch or just a straight pitch to either one of those guys. And then look also for those guys to come out of the backfield and catch the ball um, on the rare occasion uh, that we, we throw, although last week we threw 21 times. So not, not so rare. Um, and then the other guy to know on the offense is Jaden Umbarger. He's the more traditional wide receiver that will line up uh, or, and will go deep or will go across the middle along with the slots when we need seven, eight longer uh, yards. I mean, in a perfect world, the way this works is, is it's Lavatai given to Fafana, Labatai pitching to the slots, Labatai giving to Bafana. This goes on for, you know, three, four times in a row. And then all of a sudden he hits Jaden Umbarger for a 12 to 20 yard pass. Um, and next thing you know, the quarter's over, right? I mean, and you, you know, Houston has only been on the field for, for one drive. That's how they hope it works. Um, you know, the, the first couple games, uh, we weren't that lucky. <laughs> well, John, talk to me because, First of all, is there a more fun name in college football than Dabba Fafana? Dabba, it's a fun, fun name. Um, and frankly, if he's the dive back, my understanding of this triple option is he could be looking at 30 carries, right? Like he really could get the ball a lot if Houston's not really taking away those. And you mentioned, you know, 32, 33. If they're not taking away the A-gaps, Fafana should have a big day. Um, theoretically, John, who would you predict has a big day? If I tell you, you know, crystal ball, Navy wins, who had a big day? Well, I'll tell you this. If Daba Fofana gets 30 carries, that means Navy won. That means they <laughs> controlled the game. That means, and, and this is the secret, right? The, the special sauce for Navy winning is grinding up the clock, having 10 minute long drives that are chunking away, that are you know converting maybe a fourth down or two on that drive and just sucking the life out of the game. In Vegas, it's a guarantee for the under. Um, for me, I think that Houston gets beat with speed and what we really thought we'd have throughout the year would be Ty's speed and or not speed, but Ty's size and decision making at the play caller position 
And then Mikel Haywood, who electrified as a freshman last year, returned a uh, kick for a touchdown. Now as a sophomore, really leveraging his speed. So for me, I, I, I'm not necessarily crystal balling it, but I'm hopeful that that the name Mikel Haywood comes up a lot for the sake of the offense. And we said it on our podcast before the Tulsa game that because of all those, you know, two yards and a, and a cloud of dust type of offensive play calls, those third down and seven up the middle, uh, you know, fullback runs for two yards that would result not necessarily in booze from the faithful at Navy Marine Corps stadium, but definitely some questions that they would open it up and use the speed that they would put asses in the seats and, and put an exciting brand of football out there. And we really believe that that involves the speed of the slot backs. And without the speed of the slot backs, you're lost. And what you were able to do is get the speed of the slot backs to open up stuff for Fofana so that he could have three rushing touchdowns against Tulsa and that was the secret to success. Unfortunately, started off again a little bit slow uh, against SMU last week, and that's why the result what is what it was what it was. However, I will say this: a lot of the missing piece to success of the triple option earlier in the year, and we we follow a lot of other Navy fans, was a lot of missed assignments on the offensive line. Um, we really need that offensive line to do its job, match up get those second and third level blocks so that the, the triple option can get underway. So I'll say number one, Mikel Haywood is the name that we hope will provide the speed and the electricity to get a win. But for me, it's going to be one between the left tackle and the right tackle. Fair enough. And the tackles, especially at, at a triple option type team are certainly not the kind of names that the public hears a whole lot. Uh, I, I want to ask you both and we can go with whoever would like to take this one first. Um, Doug Belk, again, also defense coordinator, assistant head coach, uh, associate head coach over the media availability on Tuesday, I believe, spoke. And he brought up a stat that I think took me by surprise because I just I don't associate Navy football with this kind of a play. But it made total sense once he broke it down at the time. I don't know if he was factoring the SMU game in or not, because it obviously it was just on Tuesday. He said that Navy was third in the country in yards per completion. Uh, big explosive pass plays. And that makes me think it's like what Chris is talking about, where you're just not expecting it. But is is there some is there some magic sauce there, or is it just teams creep up and pull their safeties inside the box and all of a sudden guys are over the top of their head? Ty throws the ball very well for a Navy quarterback. Um, you know, he uh they did a little bit of uh run pass option um, you know, in, in high school for him. So more pass than um, I would say most Navy quarterbacks come in. So he doesn't have a, um, he's got a good arm. He knows how to um, kind of, you know, lull the, the defense to sleep by running the triple. Um, I, I mean, I think your defense coordinator is being generous. I mean, the stat is what the stat is. Um, but I mean, I, I would say that's a little bit of like defensive coach, coach gamesmanship, you, you know, saying something nice about the other team. Uh, they're, they're not a, I wouldn't say they're a threat to throw the ball. Um, they will, but I mean, really like if Houston wants to win, they, they've got to stop the, the triple. John, you'd echo that. Is that just Belk being a nice guy or is that, is there's a real, is there some speed you guys both mentioned like some theoretically either there was a slot 
or uh, Umbarger, you know, somebody over the crop over the top for a 20 yard pass. Like those do strike me as dangerous. Uh, it, it could be dangerous. Uh, last year we had, you know, a, a bevy of wide receivers who yeah. were big. Um, Michael Cooper was a very big wide receiver. Um, Mark Walker, the other starting wide receiver is six foot two. Uh, Jaden Umbarger is six foot. You know, you, you've got the makings of wide receivers who could be difference makers. I think the reason that they have the highest or the third highest uh, yards per completion is just out of sheer need uh, that there are times that, you know, people are so pressed up against the option um, that, that they just take their eyes off of the prize. I would be more interested in a stat that says, how many times did one of those long completions actually result in something impactful for the game? <laughs> um, or was it garbage time? You know, I, I, I mean, we've even had a Philly special this year, not a true Philly special, but, you know, a, a, an option pass where Ty Lavatai caught a, a touchdown pass. So I, I don't think that this is how our bread is going to be buttered. And I don't think that those are stats that we're going to want to look at as a measurement of success. I think if this team is going to be successful, whether it's Keenan Reynolds or, or Malcolm Perry or Will Worth or any of the names that have come through here in the past, you're just going to have to run the ball and you're going to have to run it effectively. Well, and I think you are, you are giving your, because you get to watch your team every week. You're giving them a little bit of hard time. Like they are, they lost one game by seven, uh, one game by three, another game by six. Like theoretically, they're not a whole lot of points away from being like five and two at this point. If you were to predict, I don't know how much Houston football you've watched this year. Houston's got a strong defensive line, a group of linebackers that's kind of different play to play, and then a secondary that is, it's hard to tell what's going on sometimes. Um, how would have you guys watched any Houston defense? Do you have any guesses as to how the strip option thing will work against Houston? Are you confident? worried somewhere in between i'll add in really quick before chris goes into the details I'll, I'll tell you this we've never played this team well um even you know it, even last year where i think we called it a moral victory only losing 28 20 i mean houston's beat us six times out of eight um i know that each time we went down there um, you know, when I was working there as the director of communications, we got stomped. Now, obviously, the notable exception uh, was when we beat the number six ranked Cougars 46-40 back in 16. But I, I think Houston's just too fast. I think that the American Athletic Conference is going to eventually catch up with Navy's scheme. And I think that Houston could be... Um, you know, a, a continued problem for us based on their size and their speed. Now they have shown themselves, I think, to be better than a three and three record and a one and one record in the AAC. That that remains to be seen. I will say this. It sounds ridiculous and it's like I'm just tossing it in there to have something to talk about. But a 12 p.m. start is is, I think, an X factor here in that it's not a typical start time for Navy at home. Uh, noon starts are really, really bad for a very wine and cheese fan base, which is the Naval Academy fan base. They don't like to get in there at noon. Um, so I, I think that the lack of electricity in the stadium, the cold weather, 
Whether it affects Houston more than it affects Navy is hard to say. I just know that we've had a hard time against this team. I just think your speed is too much for the slowness of our option. Yeah, I mean, I think what what I would say is that if we are going to win, it's going to be because we alternate the option uh, maybe more than we have in the past, right? So I think we've got to keep Houston guessing. If it's fullback dive, you know, two thirds of the time, and then we only get outside every now and again, I, I think we we don't do well against Houston because of that, that line. But if we can keep them guessing, we've been running a counter tray this year, which we really haven't run in the the, in the past as part of the triple where, you know, you pull your guards and they run one way or the other, and that either opens it up for a fullback to take it from there or the quarterback keeps it, or you have a nice pitch, whether it's called or on the option option pitch. I, I think that is going to going to help us against Houston speed because it's, it's almost where the, the speed can work against them, where you see guys over pursue or, or they get ahead or, or Navy then have, does truly have three different ways to go with with the option. So we're going to have to keep Houston on their on their heels, and we probably will have to pass the ball um, in in downs where it's not anticipated. Right, you, you know, fourth and ten, or excuse me, third and ten. Yeah, they're going to anticipate the pass. Probably second one, they're going to anticipate the pass. We may have to come out and throw in first down um, and and do things that that keep Houston uh, off balance. Um, or else, as John says, um, you know, we'll fall victim to uh, to that speed. You both mentioned, and this is me. So, you know, I, the people listening to the show know, but y'all don't. I played Division three football many, many moons ago. Um, and, and frankly, I was going to say it several pounds ago, but I'm almost back up to my, my lineman playing weight. But what I was going to ask is you mentioned, I think earlier we mentioned power. You just mentioned these trade plays. On the offensive line, it looks like they're between like 260 and 285, which is lighter for an American offensive line. Are y'all insinuating like that they're pulling a lot, moving a lot? Like the, is the speed on the line going to help them? Because frankly, I don't mean to toot our horn. The Houston defensive line has been really, really strong. It's kind of been, if we're going to hang our hat on one thing on defense. Is y'all's movement something that you hang your hat on? Well, it uh, used to be our ability to cut block uh, and, and then, um, you, you know, take advantage of that. And then now with the cut block going away, it, it's changed the way the triple option uh, will, will work. So, yeah, we we have to do these types of things. We have to pull. We have to, um, you, you know, it, it's really critical on, yes, even if you're playing a bigger team, you know, getting, uh, getting that block first so that the, the quarterback can make the read and other, you know, you know, give the ball away or, or step through that, uh, that momentary block. So yeah, it, it, you know, we, we didn't really list off the offensive line, but I mean, again, so goes their ability to manage a bigger Houston line. And so goes our ability to run the option. Fair. I, I just, it was an interesting that like every play we've mentioned has a significant amount of line movement, even power coming from the backside. You're kind of, you're kind of leading all through the, the front side of the play. I, I want to tell people where, where can they find you all? Where's the best place? I know you'll have, I believe it's a weekly show on all thing Navy sports and Navy really is one of those unique programs in American college athletics. Um, so John or Chris, whoever wants to hop in, where can we find you, the work, the podcast, the kind of things y'all are doing all year long. Yeah, so Chris said this is the third year or third season of the podcast, and we started it as a way to talk about the physical mission at the Naval Academy. As your listeners probably know, the Naval Academy is unique as compared to other AAC teams. 
Um, number one, we have the third most division one sports of any team or any school in the country at 33. I, actually, it's uh, 34, 35 now uh, with the addition of our two rugby programs. That puts us right behind Stanford and Ohio State for the most D1 programs in the country. And we hang our hat on that. So we started a podcast to talk about not only football, which is one of those 35, obviously, but the stories behind um, you know, those, those athletes, those staff, those faculty, the coaches and the alumni who are either serving in Congress or just recently going up in SpaceX uh, to go to the space station. So it's, it's a really fun way of talking about the stories of the athletes and what the physical mission and, and just like you, Parker, like what competing either on the prep level or the high school level or the college level, what those lessons are and how they teach you about success as either a parent or a spouse or a business owner or something like that. So if you go to We Sing Second at We Sing Second on Twitter or Instagram, you can find us. We post the podcast every week. And as Chris said, very, very proud that a second podcast in our family of podcasts is the Navy football specific podcast that features Eric Catani, who was a NFL uh, fullback, uh, graduated in the mid 2000s, and also Keenan Reynolds, uh, who is arguably the best quarterback uh, this side of uh, Roger Staubach to ever suited up for the Naval Academy. He graduated in 2016. They joined Bill Wagner, who's the uh, beat reporter for the Capital Gazette and Baltimore Sun newspapers here. We come out every week with a regular Sing Second sports podcast and a Navy football podcast. Again, find it on We Sing Second. And uh, and yeah, it's, it's just super fun to talk about great athletes who are doing not only great things on the athletic field, but doing great things for their country. Again, I want to say thank you all for coming on. Thank you all for talking Navy football, uh, Navy athletics as a whole. Again, it's a, a truly special athletic program. And then, and then I want to make sure to say thank you guys for your service, right? You both were involved in the Navy. Like this is a football game. This is fun, but we want to make sure we say thank you guys for something a little bit bigger. Right. Um, I, I know that part of this is, is fo- football because that's like your fandom, but also there's like something a little bit bigger going on with the Naval Academy. And so thank you guys for that. And hopefully we have a fun game on Saturday. If it's anything like the Houston season's been, it's going to be a very, very close game. Five out of our six games so far have been one score games. So I don't imagine it'll be a whole lot different. <laughs> yeah, Chris and I were wondering, Parker, whether it's good timing or bad timing to get you guys not only off of a bye week, but coming off of the amazing win at Memphis, which he and I talked about um, w- w- must have been an absolutely breathtaking way of watching your favorite team win. Uh, so congrats to you guys for that. Um, that, that was, that was first rate, amazing football, <laughs> not just to watch it on like SVPs, bad beats on sports center. That was just an amazing <laughs> ending. Well, and, and I, I can admit now I was logged in watching that on ESPN plus my wife is asleep next to me because it's like a three score game in the third quarter. And I definitely woke her and the dog up when, <laughs> when we got outside kick with about a minute, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so yeah, uh, it was an exciting night in our house for sure. <laughs> Chris and I like to call that the spousal cost of doing business. Yeah, you, you know what you signed up for. That's exactly right. Well, thanks for having us, Parker. We appreciate it. We look forward to seeing Houston fans in Annapolis on uh, on Saturday. As John said, it will be a little chilly, but uh, it's a great environment if you've never been to a, a, a Navy game in Annapolis. Uh, regardless of who wins, uh, I'm I'm very confident that the Houston fans will have a great time. For sure. For sure, y'all. Thank you again so much. And you can find them at We Sing Second. That's We Sing Second on Twitter. You can find me at Painsworth 512. It's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512 on all social media platforms. I'll be happy to talk Cougs and all kinds of things. I'm sure I'll be live between the game this weekend. So make sure you check me out there. Thank you guys again so, so much. I'm supposed to say go Cougs, but I... <laughs> hey, we, we say go everybody. How about um, we just yeah, say we beat Army? Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we, all, when we, can, we all just want to beat Army. We can agree there. Beat Army. <laughs> all right.